Open your Bibles, if you would, to Joshua, the first chapter, Joshua chapter 1. The main portion of our text will be coming from early chapters of Joshua, so if you'd like to turn there and follow along. I'll add my welcome to you all. It is a pleasure and honor to be here on this first day of the week to study from God's Word, to partake of these emblems, remembering the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and truly an honor and a blessing to be able to come together on this first day of the week and to encourage one another and edify each other and to lift our voices up to God, our Creator. In the early chapters of Joshua, we see a pattern. And this pattern is, a, is the pattern of triumph, and defeat, and triumph. And those Bible students, Bible scholars know that this is not unique to this particular passage, but this is something that happens throughout the history of the nation of Israel. But in this lesson, we want to explore the reasons surrounding this particular set of events that take place here in the early part of Joshua. Brad read for us there from Joshua chapter 1, the first nine verses. If you will, notice verses 8 and 9 again with me. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, Bible students also will know what we're talking about here when he talks about the book of the law. These are the five books that Moses wrote. Now, we've come along later and divided those up into books and chapters and verses. But when he talks about here these books of the law, and we refer to them still as the books of the law. This is what he's talking about here. The children of Israel had the law. The things that Moses wrote down. They had those in their possession. So it says there, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you think about where they are in history here, Moses has died. Moses was told that he would not enter the promised land because of the events that took place there, him striking the rock instead of speaking to it. But God says, for that, Moses, you're not going to enter the promised land. You're going to lead the children right up to the edge of the promised land, but you're not going to lead them over to Jordan River into it. But now Joshua has taken control. Moses has passed on, and they're about to enter into the promised land. And here's the Lord speaking to Joshua, telling him to be very courageous. Be strong, be courageous, for you're about to enter this land that I promised you. And it says there, God is with you wherever you go. They have the book of the law. They have the promise that God has made to them, that they will indeed cross and over the Jordan River and possess this land. And now Joshua is commissioned here under God, saying, Joshua, you're now going to lead these people. Be strong, be courageous. For this is my plan. This is, about what's, this is about to take place, what I have promised you those many years ago. So we have this triumph here in our first in our pattern. We have triumph, defeat, and triumph. Here's triumph that we're going to look at first. And this first triumph is the triumphal entry into Canaan. 
So Joshua prepares the people for entry. So the Lord has spoken to Joshua and told him to be courageous. So verse 10, we see here Joshua says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you are going to cross the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. The charge has been given to Joshua. Joshua has given the charge to the people. We're about to go into the land, make provisions. And within three days, we're going to cross over into the land. God has promised it, and now it's about to happen. So if you look over in verse 16 of chapter 1, verse 16 says, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that you have commanded, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Sounds very encouraging, doesn't it? Whatever you say to do, Joshua, we're going to do that. We're going to go. Whatever you say to do, we're going to do it. Verse 17, just as we obeyed Moses in all things. Now, that's a little interesting to understand. Maybe a little liberty is being taken here with what the people are saying. They did not obey Moses in all that he commanded. But for the sake of argument here, this is, this is their charge. This is what they promised that they're going to do as they go in to take the land. So we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Verse 18, anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Now here again, a little bit of poetic license maybe with what these people are saying back to Joshua. Because there was some disobedience that happened as they're coming out of Egypt. Nevertheless, they've promised that they're going to obey all that Joshua commands of them. So we get to chapter 2, and Joshua sends spies over into the land, especially Jericho. It says there in verse 1 of chapter 2, Then Joshua the son of Nun sent two men as spies secretly from the Acacia Grove, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went out and came into the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there. We know the story that takes place here. Rahab is a harlot. She lives there in Jericho. She hid them in her house. She hid them up on the roof of her house. And the king of Jericho sent word to her and said, There's men there that have come in. Bring them out to us. She said, Well, they were here, but now they're gone. I don't know where they are. On the time, they were hiding on the roof. And why did this take place? Look down in verse 9 of chapter 2. This is... Back in verse 8, Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. And why does she know that? Why does she know about Israel? Well, she had heard. She had heard about Israel. Back in Deuteronomy 2 and verse 25, Lord says, this day I will begin to put the dread of fear of you upon the peoples everywhere under the heavens, who, when they hear the report of you, will tremble and be in anguish because of you. People, the inhabitants of the land knew about Israel. They knew about God being with them and the things that had been accomplished already. And there was fear and there was dread. And so here they are, about to enter into Jericho. And Rahab knew. She knew about them. They're preceded them. Their legends already preceded them. So she knew. So she hid them in her house. And they were able to uh, not be caught 
by the king there at Jericho. Now, as a result of this, they promised that they would not kill anyone in her house when they come to take over Jericho, when they come to defeat Jericho. They made a promise to Rahab, we're not going to kill anyone who's in your house because you have done this for us. So we see this. Israel passing over through the Jordan River into the land, coming up against the city of Jericho, over in chapter 3 and verse 14. Chapter 3 and verse 14, Israel is going to pass through the Jordan River into Canaan. So it came about when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan, with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And when those who carried the Ark came into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows its banks all the days of harvest, that the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap, a great distance away from Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those which were flowing down towards the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. So here they are. They're crossing over into the promised land. It's land that God had promised to them. Here's this triumphal entry into it. Can you imagine what the inhabitants of the, of the land thought about this? We know what Rahab thought. Look over in chapter 4, verse 23, beginning. Chapter 4, verse 23, beginning. It says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you, and before you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done before the Red Sea, when he dried up before us when we had crossed. Remember, the, they crossed over the Red Sea the very same way, crossed on dry land. Verse 24, That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. There's a reason for all these things taking place. There's a reason God is demonstrating to the children of Israel and to all the world that he is in control, that he has all the power, that he is able to deliver these people right through the middle of a sea or through the middle of a river so that they can cross on dry land. Look what it says here in chapter 5 and verse 1. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. So those who might have been on the fence, those who didn't know about the power of God, they knew now. They knew that there was a mighty people that was crossing into their land, and they were about to come up against them. And they knew that this God was following with them. And he was a very powerful God. The triumph continues as they conquer the city of Jericho. In chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out or came in. The people of Jericho knew, right? They knew that this was a powerful people that was coming up against them. So what did they do? They shut themselves in the city. This was a walled city. They shut themselves up in it. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands with its king and the valiant warriors. 
I have given it into your hands. So here they are, about to battle against the city of Jericho, and God says, I have given them into your hands. And Joshua is told very specifically how to go about conquering the city of Jericho. You remember this story. They were to march around the city for six days. And then on the seventh day, they were to march around seven times. And then there would be a blast of a trumpet, and they were to shout. And the walls of the city of Jericho would fall down, and they were able to walk up and take the city. Can you imagine the people of Jericho seeing these the whole tribe, the whole nation of Israel marching around their city for six days, and on the seventh day, they do it seven times, and then they shout, and the walls fall down. That's the power of God. Verse 17, there was something they were also not to do. Chapter 6 and verse 17. It says, And the city shall be under the ban, it and all its belongs it and all that it is belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and those who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom, whom we sent. But as for you, only keep for yourselves from the things under the ban, lest you covet them and take some of the things under the ban so you would make the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble on it. There were some things they were not allowed to take. There were some things that were banned. They were not allowed to take from the city as they sacked the city. Very specific instructions on what to do. Look down at verse 21. And they utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Notice those two words there, utterly destroyed. This was God's plan for them to go in and take everything, to destroy everything to take the things that were, they were supposed to take, and to leave the things that they were not supposed to take. Very specific instructions. And one of those was to utterly destroy. Keep that in mind as we move forward. I have given Jericho into your hands, the Lord says. If God had given Jericho into their hands, why did they need to do anything? He says before they set out marching around the city, I have given Jericho into your hands, so they just not gone back to their camps and sat there and wait for the walls to fall down? This is one of the great lessons of the Bible. We can see it right here. That even though God provides for us abundantly, overwhelmingly, overflowing, we still have to do our part. There's still something that we have to do. Even though God says, I have given Jericho into your hands, they still had to march around the city for those seven days. There's still something that they had to do. There were still works that they had to perform. James in chapter 2 talks extensively about works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. There are things that we are to do as children of God. Things that he has told us that we have to do. James will go on in verse 20 and verse 26 to say, Faith without works is dead. Faith is not enough. There has to be something that goes along with that. And we'll talk about, a little bit more about that as we go. Next in our pattern, we talked about triumph. So they've triumphed. They've come into the land, and they've defeated Jericho. There's the triumph that we talk about. Next in the pattern is defeat. And defeat comes at the city of Ai. Look over in chapter 7. 
This is next in the pattern. Defeat. Chapter 1, uh, sorry, chapter 7, verse 1. But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. Remember, there were certain things that they couldn't take. But they said they acted unfaithfully. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. There was one man who took something that he wasn't supposed to take. You remember that story. He takes it and hides it in his tent. But remember, back there they said, we'll be faithful, Joshua. Anything you say, anything you tell us to do, we're going to do it. We're not going to transgress your law. And if anybody does, let him be put to death. Well, that's what happened to Achan. He was put to death because of the things that, that, that he did. But before that, Ai, back in the city of Ai. Again, spies were sent out. Joshua sent some men into Jer- sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Avon. This is from verse two, and said to them, "Go up and spy out the land." So the men went up and spied out. So here again, there's the men going up to spy out the land. Verse three, it says, "And they returned to Joshua and said to him, "Do not let all the people go up." Only about two or 3,000 men need to go up. Get a little bit of sense of maybe overconfidence in this. Kind of get that feeling. Kind of get that feeling that, oh, there's just a few. We just, took, we just sacked the city of Jericho, this great walled city. You know, we did that. city of Ai is small in comparison. We just, you know, just 3,000 men ought to do it. What it says in verse 4. So about 3,000 men from the people went up there. But they fled from the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 of the men and pursued them from the gates as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent so that the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Does that sound familiar? The hearts of the people melted and became as water? These are the Israel he's talking about now. Not the people of the land. Now the roles are reversed. Now Israel is scared. They're scared of the people of Ai. Verse 6, Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth and on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua hears the reaction is a little bit of an overreaction. Look what he says there. Alas, O Lord, from verse 7. Alas, O Lord God, why did thou ever bring this people over the Jordan, only to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and to destroy us? Does that sound familiar? Why did you ever lead us out of Egypt to bring us over here into this land to die of hunger? See the pattern repeating itself? O Lord, what can I say, since Israel has turned their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us and cut us off our name from the earth. And what will thou do for thy great name? Gosh, how quickly things have turned. Remember just a timeline quickly. It said within three days you're going to cross over into the Jordan. Then they marched around the city of Jericho for seven days. So, and then they went to Ai ten days plus. How quickly things have turned. There's going to be punishment. There's going to be punishment. 
The Lord said it. The people agreed to it. Verse 10 of chapter 7. So the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned and they have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have taken some of the things under the ban and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them in among with their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy things under the ban from your midst. Why did they have this defeat at Ai? The seeds of it were sown back there in Jericho when Achan took those things he wasn't supposed to take. And what does God say? I'm not going to be with you until you address this. Here's the pattern. Here's another, those two words we told you to mention, utterly destroyed. Look in verse 15. There's a, Moses says, okay, we're going to find out who did this. You are to bring your families before us. We're going to find out who took these things. Verse 15, and it shall be that the one who has taken the things under the ban shall be burned with fire. He and all that belongs to him. Utterly destroy. He and all the things that belong to him. Because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. Consequences. There's consequences for these actions. The children of Israel said, if we break these commands, let that person be put to death. Well, that's going to happen. That's going to take place. And they did, indeed, put Achan to death. And all the things that he had, and they burned it with fire. Utterly destroyed. So there's the defeat the city of Ai. But next in the pattern is triumph. Triumph, defeat, and triumph. So now we're back to triumph. And the triumph will come again, but this time in the city of Ai. Instead of defeat, there's going to be triumph. And why? Chapter 8 now, verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear or be dismayed, Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Sound familiar? And you shall do to Ai and its king, just as you did to Jericho and its king. You shall take only its spoils and its cattle as plunder for yourselves. Set an ambush for the people behind it. They destroyed the things that Achan had taken. Achan and the things that he had taken. Utterly destroyed. So now God is with them again. He says, as long as this isn't going to take place, I'm not going to be with you. So they did it, and now God is with them. Verse 3, it says, So Joshua rose with all the people of war to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 men, valiant warriors, and sent them out at night. It's an interesting number there, 30,000. Remember how many they sent the first time? 3,000? Ten times the amount ought to do it. Think about that. We were defeated. We're going to make sure that doesn't take place again. We're going to send 30,000 men this time. Not taking any chances. And can you blame them? Verses 4 and 5. And he commanded them saying, See, you are going to ambush the city from behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about... When they come out to meet us the first, that they will flee from before us. 
30,000 men. <laughs> this ought to do it. We're going to do it right this time. And the Lord gave them Ai. But they still had to fight. In verse 1, it says something very, very similar. Take all the people. I have given into your hands the king of Ai. He said the very same thing about Jericho. I have given them into your hand. He says the very same thing here about Ai. There's still something that they had to do. Faith without works is dead. Verse 18, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, and I will give it into your hands. So Joshua stretched out his hand with the javelin in his hand, and he held it there for the, as long as it took to defeat Ai. There was something there that Joshua had to do. Utterly destroy. There's those two words again. Utterly destroy. Look in verses 26 through 28. For Joshua did not withdraw his hand, which was stretched out the javelin, until he utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Israel took only the cattle and the spoil of the city as plunder for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. Utterly destroyed. There it is again. Utterly destroyed, doing God's will. And as a result, they were successful at Ai. They triumphed. Triumph, defeat, triumph. I will tell you that this pattern still exists today. Triumph, defeat, and triumph. It can be seen in our own lives. God has promised us triumph over sin. That's a promise that he has made. It says he promised that they would be very successful in the land that they were about to inhabit. God has promised us that we will triumph over sin. In Revelation 3 and verse 5, He who overcomes will thus be clothed with white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who overcomes. He who overcomes sin. We've been promised that. But like our example over there, there's something very specific that we have to do. Remember in Jericho, the marching around the city six days, and then on the seventh day, seven times. God's very specific about what we have to do as well. Mark 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. We have much simpler things to abide by these days, but the essence is still there. God still wants us to obey him specifically as he has said. Acts 2 and verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty specific. Repent and be baptized. And we must be careful not to sin as Achan did and try to pull those things out of the world, pull those things that have been prohibited. Sadly, if we, if we try to hold on to those things in the world, if we try to take those things that are under the ban, we're setting ourselves up for defeat. Just like Achan did when he stole the things that he wasn't supposed to take out of Jericho, and they were defeated at Ai. Matthew 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either love one and hate the other, 
or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. No man can serve God and mammon. No man can serve God and wealth. You can't have your foot in both camps. You're either of God or you're of the world. Must be careful not to take those things out of the world that God has told us to leave behind. And we can triumph over sin too. We can triumph. We've been told that we can triumph. We can be defeated if we hold on to those things that drag us down. Look over in Romans chapter 8 with me. Romans chapter 8. Here's that pattern in our lives of triumph and defeat and triumph. But we can triumph again. If we've fallen as a child of God, we've been defeated, we can still triumph again. But what does it take? Utterly destroying. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You are utterly destroying the deeds of the body, putting to death those things in the world. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, which cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him, putting to death the deeds of the body, utterly destroying. The pattern holds up to us as well. Triumph. We've been promised triumph over sin. He who overcomes. We've been promised that. Defeat comes along when we as a child of God, slip back into the world. And we've taken those things that we're not supposed to. Pulled those things out of the world that are the seeds of our own defeat. But we can overcome that. And how? By putting to death the deeds of the body. We can triumph again. And that's the gospel message. Jesus Christ came to this earth to put those deeds of the body to death. So the question is, have you triumphed over sin? And if you've triumphed, have you slipped back and have you been defeated? And your need to triumph again. The pattern is there. We can still be brought back. There's only one way to do that, though, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's only one way for us to be guaranteed triumph over sin, and that is to come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we do that through baptism. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. It's as simple as that. That's how we do it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. From Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Simple, clear instructions on what we are to do. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. From John chapter 14, verse 6. 
we want to triumph over sin, the way to do that is through Jesus Christ.